Welcome to the Alliance Party After Dark, a podcast for the politically aware brought to you by the Alliance Party. Content for this episode was recorded on Sunday, July 4, 2021, Independence Day. And a good evening to you. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for this evening's podcast. And this evening we're talking with Ethan Michelle Gans, the Alliance Party's LGBTQ caucus chair. Ethan Michelle recently ran as the Alliance Party's candidate for the Houston, Texas City Council in 2019. She is a well-connected political organizer in Houston in both the gay and animal rights communities. She's also a passionate advocate for political reform and ranked choice voting, and she describes herself as a socially liberal and fiscally conservative person. On the education front, Ethan Michelle will graduate this year with a BA in political science with a minor in international studies from the University of St. Thomas. Ethan Michelle, welcome back to the Alliance Party After Dark. You last appeared on this podcast on May 2nd of this year, and I had a great time talking with you at that time and totally looking forward to today's discussion. Uh, hey, Dan, it was nice talking to you then, and I'm looking forward to talking to you today, too. Good. You know, since we last talked, you have become the LGBTQ caucus chair for the Alliance Party. And hey, congratulations on that achievement. That's wonderful. And um, I'm personally looking forward to all the work that you're going to be doing and all the work you have lined up. Um, but can you give us, um, tell us what motivated you to seek this position and perhaps more importantly, give us some idea of your goals as the LGBTQ caucus chair. Um, well, I didn't actually seek this position. Uh, the party reached out to me, mm -hmm. um, but I was thrilled to be given the opportunity to speak up for my community and to organize and, you know, help us in our struggle for, you know, rights and our ability to exist. <laughs> yeah. um, but as the LGBTQ chair, um, it's my goal to create a safe and inclusive space for all parts of the community to come together. Um, now more than ever, we need to pay attention to the intersectionalities within the community and mm -hmm. make sure that all voices are being heard. And so that, that, that's my major goal. And I want to get people involved. You know, I want people to, I want to change people's ideas of what uh, people that run for office need to look like. Um, what is, you know, we, we, we look at people and, and we see the, the, the cis heterosexual white male in a suit that's a lawyer or a businessman, and that's always the politician, but we need to change that. Everybody, everybody uh, deserves to represent, hmm. you know, their people, their community, um, if, if, they, if they want to. They should get a chance equally to, to run, and, and I think that's really important. I think we need to change that. So that's one of my big goals. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good goal. I I think that uh, you have to uh, to really advocate for a group of people. You really, it's best if you're. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's best if you are actually part of that community and active in that community to uh, really understand the the subtle things that you need to understand in order to provide true representation. So I, I think that's a good goal. In fact, the. Um, um, let's talk about that a little bit because I wanted to find out from you, you know, what, what is it you look for in, um, in the Alliance party insofar as like our candidates, um, you obviously going to be somewhat involved in recruiting candidates and coaching them, but, uh, could you give us some idea of, you know, what your approaches are to candidates that may or may not be part of the LGBT com community, but at least, uh, be able to advocate for that community? Um, I'm, I'm looking for people that uh, are in, have integrity. They act with integrity. You know, um, more than anything, we need people that care about people, people that are trying to make a difference in their community. Um, we don't need people that are just trying to make a name for themselves and, and trying to, you know, use the the people's business to to better themselves what we need is people that care about the community trying to 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 bring us together and make the government work for everybody and and truly bring the power back down to the people mm -hmm. this this top down this trickle down stuff doesn't work the only thing that works is organizing from the bottom and coming up and so 
we really need to to be doing that. So I'm looking for people that have integrity, that care about justice, that uh, are open-minded and willing to be inclusive and work with all types of people, um, and will stand up and not be afraid to stand up against the type of hate and uh, everything that you may face. Um, right. You know, because because when you stand for for what's right, there's always going to be a group of people that don't want to make that change. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the politics of LGBTQ seems to have, at least from my perspective anyways, uh, and you can tell me whether you agree with me, but from my perspective, it seems to have taken a step backwards recently. I mean, we've seen state legislatures starting a few years ago where they start uh, working on, on bills that, uh, that are called bathroom bills. Uh, and more recently, we've seen school sports being targeted by state legislatures in their attempt to restrict transgender students from competing in sports activities. And so there's a lot of challenges uh, on many fronts that are faced with the people from the LGBTQ community. But, uh, you know, a lot of times these challenges come from our own elected leaders. And that's really that's really quite hurtful, in my opinion. So with that in mind, what sort of advice could you give to our candidates as they encounter this anti-LGBTQ challenges while campaigning? Well, um, I think that it's really important that you have a diverse group of, you know, mm -hmm. people around you, a diverse team of people. Um, because no matter what, like for instance, I, I identify as a trans non-binary person. Um, I am also in a same-sex marriage, um, but you know I don't know everything that a, a black trans woman may go through, or or uh, a Latinx uh, intersex person may go through. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so it's really important that we we have a, a complete team and we have people from from all different aspects of the community um, to be heard because if we just have one group in the community moving forward then we're we're not paying attention to to everything that's going on like you said there's a lot that's happening there's you know the the bathroom bills like you said the sports there's intersectionalities with with black trans women being killed um you know, right. brown brown trans women being killed, trans people in general being killed, but especially uh, black and brown trans women. They're they're just they're they're facing a lot of uh, hate right now. Yeah. And and so I think it's really important that we we um, surround ourselves by a lot of different types of people. And even if we're in a community, don't think that we're the only voice in that community. And make sure that you bring other voices up with you. Yeah. And and when you're being heard, you make sure you you make sure to to hand the mic to the other voices that need to be heard as well. Yeah, that's uh, it's. But trying to, uh, for the lack of better terms, you know, fight the sort of um, ingrained or or dare I say systemic sort of biases in that community. It, it's really difficult, and it's it's not a short-term game; it's a long game. And um, I, I, I sort of I'm kind of rambling here. I realize that, but I but I see your point in the sense that the more people you get involved, uh, the more uh, voices that that rise than um, the politicians who are still, you know, pushing this uh, this old sort of systemic perspective. Um, I can't imagine that they could survive in that in that type of environment uh, as politicians, I should say. But in the meantime, you know, um, there's a lot of a lot of pain, a lot of a lot of hurt out there, and it's uh, it's it's quite taxing on the community. How do you keep people uh, within the community? How do you keep the activists motivated and say, you know, we may have had a setback today, but you know, tomorrow we'll get them, sort of thing. It, it's uh, you're an activist, so well, yeah, you probably have a pretty good perspective on that. Well, first of all, um, being a person of a marginalized uh, group, uh, 
you don't really have the option of not being involved, right? Mm -hmm. um, every day that you live, you have to fight um, hate. Mm -hmm. um, unless you're completely closeted. And even still, you may face the hate and have to, uh, you know, endure it just quietly. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> you know, you don't really have a choice. I mean, either you want to exist and, you know, not be oppressed or you don't. <laughs> yeah. And at this point in society, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, we're standing on the shoulders of, of so many years of trans and gay activists that, you know, have fought, that have been jailed, that have been beaten, that have been oppressed. And we're standing on their shoulders. Yeah. And we can we can move forward. They're just trying to knock us down because they 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 see us moving forward. There's always it's like the pendulum, right? It swings back and forth. Mm -hmm. So we get some gains, and then some people get mad about it. Um, but but you know rights, you know that there's this old saying, rights isn't pie. You know, just because we get rights doesn't mean there's less rights for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the uh, the the pizza theory of life. I've heard it said. There's only so many slices of pizza, so uh, if somebody's getting some freedom, there's less slices for everybody else. So, yeah. but but that's not true. You Correct. know, like yeah. freedom yeah. is is just not that. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, we can all have freedom, and we all should demand it, and we should expect it for everyone else too. That is what this country is about. This country is is about um, coming together and creating something wonderful and creating a democracy out of equality and equity and and you know togetherness unity. We haven't achieved that yet, but that's what we're that's what the American dream is, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I'm going to explore that a little bit more shortly, but I wanted to get to you a little bit, something a little bit more contemporary at this point, because I don't want to forget about this, because June of 2021 is now in the history books. Uh, we've had numerous activities centered around June Pride. Um, can you review some of the significant events that took place uh, during June Pride? And, you know, speaking about the you know impact on people's lives, you know, how does that, how do you think that could potentially impact uh, the American culture? Well, okay. Um, I'm not sure how many people know about the history of Pride. When I first came out in 1993, the old people in the community would teach us our history. It was uh, passed down verbally. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm going to college as in my 40s, I have actually learned some gay history in history books. But if I had gone to college back in the day when I just came out of high school, that wouldn't have been the case. Back then, it was just, you know, verbal taught, you know, taught down or, you know, right. there were, it wasn't in mainstream anything. It was just gay history. It yeah. wasn't American history. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, so basically pride happens in june because the stonewall riots happened in june the stonewall riots happened in the early hours of june 28 1969 and those riots happened because of police brutality so the stonewall inn was basically this um dive bar for gay and trans people it wasn't the upper class gay and trans people either it was you know street people you know Mm -hmm. kids you know mm -hmm. stuff like that and uh anyway th this bar was was uh harassed by the cops a lot the cops came and raided the bar all the time and and took everybody to jail uh for if they were dancing with the opposite sex or if they were or if they i, I mean dr dancing with that. the same sex right. or if they were uh dressed uh not the way they think a woman or a man should be dressed you know um so they were harassed and taken to jail well that night they were tired of being oppressed and they fought back and so as the the cops were taking people to jail a bunch of people outside gathered outside the bar and um as they were trying to take a lesbian and put her into the paddy wagon 
they started throwing bricks and bottles and such mm -hmm. at the police. And um, it created this whole um, riot. And these riots happened for several nights after that. But after the riots, groups organized. You know, there were a lot of groups that organized that, that came from that. And that was like the Gay Liberation Front was short-lived, but it came from there. But also the Human Rights Campaign, GLAD, and PFLAG are all groups that were organized within two years of, you know, of this riot. Mm -hmm. Yes. And a year after the riots was the first gay pride parade. And it was, it was to, uh, you know, commemorate these riots. So it was on the day those riots happened. They had them in like four cities, right? Um, like San Francisco, New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago. And so that it's moved on from there. Well, the reason why cops <laughs> there's this whole thing now about cops being at pride and pride being mm -hmm. uh you know but that's because it started out as cops beating us and oppressing us and w us fighting back it started out as a a, a riot against the cops yeah. and so you know anyway in new york city new what you were asking about new stuff happening this june well, what happened in New York City, I thought was really important. And uh, for three years now, they've had this, uh, this go back to the basics kind of march in New York City. Mm -hmm. And uh, this march, it, it's called the Queer Liberation March. And they're, it's like reclaiming pride, right? Um, well, they had a march from where was it it was on it was on the june 27th of this year okay. and they marched from the midtown midtown manhattan to the washington square park the cops were waiting in the park to protect the arch the uh there's a big arch i guess in that park okay and the cops were waiting there to protect the arch i guess because they thought we were gonna uh, do something to the arch <laughs> hmm. uh but uh there was several people four or five people that were verbally saying stuff to the cops and it, the cops became angry and they pepper sprayed the people like oh. the whole crowd and then made everybody leave. Um, hmm. They were trying to start an altercation. The cops were, Yeah. but anyway, there was, there's a, there's a, a story by them online written by James Victoria about this. And so I thought that was really important to mention. But also you were talking about how how can we um, keep activists um, engaged? Well, another thing is not it's not all bad that's happening. Right. Yes, there's a lot of states that are, are trying to attack our rights. But but our right now, our federal government, what's going on federally is very good. Um, the Supreme Court uh, refused to hear Gavin Grimm's case recently. Um, and that case was about bathroom access. That means the lower court rule stands and Gavin wins his case, which he's been, you know, fighting for, I don't know, eight or 10 years now. I don't know. Mm -hmm. He's been fighting this case for a while. But um, the original case was over bathroom access in, in his high school. You know, uh, Gavin is a trans, a trans man and uh, he wanted access to the boys bathroom in his high school and they did not give him access they made him use a separate bathroom out of the way and um according to the lower courts the u.s district court for eastern for the eastern district of virginia and the u.s court of appeals for the fourth circuit both ruled in Grimm's favor and they said that the school was unconstitutional and not allowing him to use the boys bathroom so since the supreme court refused to hear this case these these rules uh, the, these rulings yeah. stand. Yeah. yeah. So that's good. That that that's positive. And then there was the uh, case that they refused to hear about the florist just recently, um, where the florist from Washington refused to make um, a, an arrangement for a gay wedding. It was a regular customer of hers that has had come in and gotten arrangements for years and years. And then he came in and wanted a, one for his wedding and she refused to make it. And uh, so 
the Washington, Washington, the state of Washington said that she uh, violated their their law, their you know anti discrimination laws, and so now that the Supreme Court has refused to hear her case, that stands, and she has violated the law, the state law, and so you know. Now the ACLU can sue her and recoup their damages for if they want to for you know court costs and lawyer costs and all that stuff. Yeah. Um. So that's that's really good um, as well. And something I'm personally super excited about that I wanted to mention, you know, mm-hmm. by the Biden administration has just said that they are going to allow X gender markings on passports. And they're going to have loosened requirements as to how to get this ex-gender marking. Hmm. So for someone like me who identifies as non-binary, I live in Texas. I'm currently in the middle of a name change. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't change my gender. I, I, if I want to change my gender marker, I only, can only choose male. They don't have X. for They don't have a third gender marker for me to choose here in Texas. Hmm. So um, is that an international thing, though? I mean, we it, it, passports are have to be accepted by, you know, all nations out there. So is that an international movement as well? Then there's about 10 uh, countries right now that have third gender markings, uh, India. Uh, I don't know all of them, mm-hmm. but uh, there, there's about 10 of them uh, mm-hmm. that, that have X or O. Some of them use O's instead for the third gender. Okay. Um, but it is, it is something that's happening internationally, um, as well, but yeah, so this, this gives someone like me who lives in a state where there's a lot of, uh, fighting for our rights, uh, a chance because like there's currently, there's like 20 states in the district of Columbia that offer ex-gender markers. Okay. Um, so I just don't live in one of those states. Yeah. So this gives me an option to get you know, a passport that represents who I am. And that's really awesome to me. I mean, it's, it's really affirming. Yeah. But, uh, you know, cause third genders isn't that this isn't a new thing. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people don't know history, but before colonization, there were 155 uh, native American tribes within what is now the United States that recognized the two spirit which is a a third gender, you know? And there are countries all over the world and there have been cultures throughout history that recognize third genders. Just because colonization and um, European colonization spread the idea of a binary through the Christian Reformation, you know, they also uh, enacted genocide while they were doing this. And through this, they enacted cultural genocide on the, the native peoples because now they couldn't even, I mean, that's not the only part of their culture that had been eradicated, but, you know, the two-spirit is one of the things that had been eradicated. Now, it's made a, the two-spirit has made a resurgence and, um, you know, in a lot of different communities, um, they're, they're, you know, being very visible now. And so I, you know, that's really awesome. But that's another part of the community that a lot of people don't hear about the two S, you know, so I was just super excited. I wanted to mention that because I was so super excited about the X gender marketing on passports. I am going to get me one as soon as they're, (laughs) as soon as they're going to, they said later this year, they're going to be available. Okay. Yeah, those are <clears throat> those are really good developments, and um, I, was, I was sort of thinking about when you were talking about um, the, the Supreme Court victories here, uh, particularly in the area of the florist in D.C. that you talked about. Um, that that to me is it. I oh, guess, I think that's Washington State, not oh, Washington, Washington oh, D.C. Oh, sorry about that, my mistake. Washington State. Um, I should bone up on my history a little bit here, um, but. Regarding that that court victory, it doesn't necessarily translate into a cultural victory, but I guess you know over over a period of time, from listening to the history that you're telling me here, this that the society is becoming more and more uh, open to you know these to to new ideas and new ways of living and new lifestyles and such. 
So, um, but it, it's it's kind of interesting to me how we can have a court victory, a victory in court. But I could just see people saying, "Well, that's the Supreme Court. That's not you know, that's that's not um, you know it's not me or or I am different than the Supreme Court." And I and I can see that that mindset lasting. But I think the long battle here is is not necessarily winning those those individual court battles, um, but they add up to a cultural victory which takes a little bit longer, uh, substantially longer actually. But it's uh, but you're seeing some gains already, right? It it's um we've come a long ways since the 1990s, huh? Even from well, the Well, we've come a long ways uh since yeah, my whole life. I mean, I I came out in 1993 and it I I, I mean it was my I I I grew up in rural Louisiana. And I was the very first openly gay person in the town that I came from. Mm. And I was not met with uh, positivity. Um, I left that town and I basically left my family, (laughs) went off on my own, like I was told. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, you know, my family, my family was harassed even after I left. My brother had to switch schools. My sister was bullied and beat up. Um, and so they were traumatized even though I had left. Um, and you know, that caused my family to, to be more angry with me. Like it was my fault. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that my, my parents years later got over it and, you know, I took care of my mom in the long run and it was all good. But, but, you know, yeah. in the years of me coming out and growing up and everything, it was real hard. And there's a lot of people that face that, that face that their, their families kick them out or their families don't want to help them. Yeah. <clears throat> and they, you know, they're, they're rejected by everybody they know, but there is a community out there and you will find your chosen family. Yeah. And, and and it's a growing community too. Uh, uh, more than that, it's a growing community of acceptance that you know people are becoming more and more tolerant to these things. Well, Gen Z is awesome. Gen Z is awesome. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, Gen Z is awesome. Mm-hmm. And and from what I hear, from what I'm hearing, <laughs> they're saying this is the queerest generation yet. Um, I think it's just the generation that's the most open about it. That yeah. that feels like, you know it's time for them to, to just be who they are, yeah. you know? And I think that is, you're right. That it, it, it has a lot to do with culture because, you know, we, we, we are just tired of being stuck in these boxes that we don't fit in. And I, that's not just queer people, all people, yeah. you know, yeah. women are supposed to be this way. Men are supposed to be this way. You know, all of that is, is harmful to all people. You know, teaching little boys that that men don't cry, that's harmful to to cis men. That's harmful to to trans men that that's harmful to to women. It's harmful to children Mm -hmm. if their fathers don't know how to use their emotions and work through their emotions like a human being because they were taught not to cry. Right. You know, so I think that people in general are tired of being put into these boxes that are toxic and that we shouldn't necessarily be forced to fit into. And I, I think the culture is coming out of that and just starting to become who they are and starting to say, we're not going to be bullied into being what you say we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's just kind of amusing myself here because uh, my son, um, he I, I, I actually, when he was very, very young, I was talking like four or five years old, I, I begged him to show more, <laughs> to show more when he's feeling pain. I remember one time he was getting some warts burned off between his toes with, with nitrogen. And, um, I don't mind telling you that hurts like hell. And, uh, he kept fighting back his tears and I kept looking at him saying, it's okay. You can cry. I mean, you know, not all the time. You know, you don't want, you don't want kids to, you know, you want them to be a little bit, uh, uh, stoic and, and not be, you know, uh, continuously, uh, putting on displays to manipulate people. But, uh, he was just the opposite. I couldn't get him to cry. And I don't know where that came from, honestly, cause I'd be screaming in pain if I were him. 
Um, anyway, so um, so here it is. We're we're on Independence Day, and you know we mark this time in history when you know we declare ourselves free and independent from what was you know at, at the time, anyways, that the Declaration of Independence was being written. We were becoming free and independent from an increasingly overbearing and subversive government. Um, but you know, here it is to quote the to, to quote the Declaration. Um, We've all heard this sentence before, but I think it's really important to listen to today. It says, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so that that was a very bold statement at the time. I mean, it was a revolutionary promise. It proclaims that all people are worthy in their pursuit of freedom. Um, and yet, as we've talked about in this conversation here, we know that this promise to some people, it's been delivered, I think, but not equally and, and certainly not to all people. There's a lot of work to be done. So um, with this in mind, um, how do you, do you have any general thoughts about how we uh, might move forward with equality and inclusiveness overall as a society, and particularly your, yourself being in your position now, as the uh, as the caucus chair for the LGBT community within the Alliance Party, um, do you have any ideas on where we go, how we go, how we go about our future? Well, um, we move forward with respect and kindness. Um, we are all different. Um, those differences are wonderful and deserve to be celebrated. You know, uh, we have to listen to each other and believe people's lived experiences. We have to humble ourselves and understand that each person knows themselves best. And we have a wonderful world with a wide array of human experiences. If we were all exactly the same, so much beauty would be lost. But with that said, we also have have to have accountability to move forward. Um, We have to hold people accountable and speak up against misinformation, twisted false narratives that are gaslighting marginalized folks and all out hate. And, And that's not just towards my community it's towards all marginalized mm-hmm. communities you know it, like with, with the black community you know i've spoken up against racism that i saw and and i've had white people tell me i'm being racist because i mentioned their white privilege mm-hmm. and see that's yeah. a gaslighting that's gaslighting that's not you, you know what i'm saying that that's trying to turn it around and trying to say that you know it's it's the the marginalized people's fault or, or the people that, that speak with them and stand with them because, you know, they speak up. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually <laughs> you know a very old saying? rhetorical trick that's been used for um, ever since uh, ever since the 13th Amendment. That that old trick has been used, and it's, it's meant to trip you up. But it really is in itself to say something like that in itself is is um, to to try to pro, pro, to uh, project the image of the white person now being a victim. And this is just exactly. completely the opposite of reality, uh, historically speaking. So, yeah, that, that's an old trick, and <laughs> try not to fall for it. <laughs> but go on, I'm and sorry. And that happens. That's happening to us. That's happening to all marginalized communities right now, and mm-hmm. we, we have to stand up and, and speak up against that. Yeah, and we really have to stand together. You know, we have to we have to question our own biases. We all have biases. Mm-hmm. We're all taught some kind of bias. And, and, you know, we, when we grow up, we have to question those biases and we have to seek out the people and, and, and learn about them. And, and maybe we don't ask those people to teach us. We, we seek out the information ourselves. I mean, sure, like, I don't mind educating people about my community, but, you know, that's not something that everybody wants to do. And nor is it a, a responsibility of a marginalized group to have to do that. However, you know, we have information at our fingertips. Please educate yourself about things that you do not know. And please check your, your, your you know, sources to make sure they're not, check where the money's coming from, make mm-hmm. sure they're not paid for by com- some kind of, you know, fringe group that's, you know, yeah. trying to cause more chaos because of whatever, benefits their finances. I mean, you know, we really have to come together. Yeah. 
but we, we have to consider each other and, and we have to celebrate each other. You know, another thing I've heard a lot about that bothers me is the whole, uh, and, and this is actually also about, uh, race rather than but it's the colorblind thing that is so I know that a lot of people think oh you know I don't see color blah 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 they think that's that's helpful but it's really not because if you don't see people's color then you don't see their identity you don't see their history you don't see their struggle you don't see what they've been through where they come from and then you don't see them you're invalidating Mm -hmm. who they are by by trying to be PC by saying oh I'm I you know I don't see color no you need to see the color you need to see the differences but you need to celebrate them and listen to them and believe them you know instead of just saying oh that's different than me so you know obviously it must be wrong because I'm right yeah. it's it's not a wrong yeah. or right situation you know yeah. all perspectives are important. That's that's very interesting that you mentioned too about uh, knowing where people are coming from. There's an online uh, you know, uh, group called OpenSecrets.org. I'm sure you've heard about them, but they at least attempt to track down some of the dark money that's being used to support certain politicians. Um, but there's also like like you, you talked about other organizations as well. There's a book I, I don't I like to you know plug other people's products too much on the show here, but there is a book written by Ann Nelson. Uh, called uh, Shadow Network, and um, it's about these networks, particularly networks behind the, the moves toward fascism in this country that um, support um, racial perspectives and come up with all these arguments about uh, what we talked about before, about uh, you know um, white fragility and so on. Um, and they support some of the big media organizations out there too, not the least of which is Fox News. And so uh, I think in, in I would urge people in their research to to follow up on, on what you just said, Ethan Michelle, was you know to get educated. There's so much so much information at your fingertips. Read some of these books. Read some of the you know, look at some of these websites that are actually tracking this stuff down, and then you know then formulate your opinion, right? And this is what I like about the Alliance Party. Exactly, it, it actually focuses not on the on the issues so much, but it really focuses on behavior. You got to that earlier when you talked about integrity within our politicians. Um, that's the beautiful thing about the Alliance Party. I, I like the fact that they're they're not so issue oriented. Uh, they do have a platform, of course, but they're not so issues oriented. They're really behavior oriented and and, and focused on integrity. So. I just wanted to build upon and what you said. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what drew me to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Totally what drew me to them, yeah. Good. And now that you're the uh, caucus chair, um, that's a really good position to be in. I think it's a pivotal position. I think it's a very important position, especially these days. Um, to I advo- agree. Yeah, to advocate not only for the LGBT community, but you talk about you know other communities as well. This is This is a very important issue as we do this sort of backslide into, um, I call kind of regressing in a sense, back to a a day when intolerance ruled the day. So that's um, very important what you're doing. Well, I I wanna make a point to what you said though. Um, You say other communities, but the LGBTQIA2S plus community is is a very diverse community. We come from every ethnicity, from every culture, from Mm -hmm. every religion. We come from everywhere. So even though I do not know what it is to be a black person in America because I am not a black person in America, there are black people that are in my community. Therefore, Mm -hmm. I feel like they, the black people in America are part of my community as well. I, I, I cannot speak for them because I am not part, you know, black and I'm not going to try to speak for someone that I don't include them. And I want to stand with them because there is an intersection between them and, and, and me. And, and that intersection is important. And the same with the, the two spirit community, you know, um, I'm not a two spirit, but I, you know, definitely, uh, you know, want to, recognize the the native peoples and you know the indigenous peoples of this country the first nations and and their intersections into the lgbtq community yeah you know and so um i think 
for someone like me, um, it's really different because I'm kind of connected to all these communities that I'm not actually part of, but I'm still connected to them, which is actually kind of funny because in my own communities that I'm supposed to be part of, I've always been kind of on the outskirts looking in too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, yeah, well, that's, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. We're, well, we're all unique and, uh, nobody is exactly like us, at least in my case, I hope not. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, the true the true challenge of of a politi- of, of a good politician that is is to understand that that there are um, that he or she does not have um, how should I phrase this that person does not have the uh, the background necessary to to have that to have that experience uh, you know to be you know black or or um, uh, lesbian or whatever but to advocate for them as if they are part of that community. And that, that I think is a true politician can, can navigate those waters. And um, there are a few of them out there, I think. I have faith in, in quite a few of them. But uh, by and large, we're not going that way. They're, they're advocating for their own narrow-minded positions these days. And that's why we need you know things like the Alliance Party to kind of open it up. And, and yeah, we need allies and yeah. we need allies to not speak for other people, but to speak with other people. Mm, so good point. for instance, if, if, if I'm speaking and, you know, I'm speaking and there is a, a, a black person that can advocate for themselves, I will give them the mic if it's about something for, about them mm-hmm. rather than speaking for them. There's, there's no reason why I can't hand the mic over and, and, why do I have to center myself? So, you know, I think that's important. A lot of allies don't realize to truly ally with a community. You have to bring up their voices. Don't speak for them, speak with them, Mm -hmm. amplify their own, their voices, uh, bring them up with you. All boats rise, you know, um, with rising waters, all boats rise kind of ideal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I think a lot of a lot of allies have just tried to speak for other communities, and I think it's really important not to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it's just that's that's the whole concept of the town hall, right? It, it's a it's an opportunity co- to connect with people and hear feedback directly from them, and exactly. that's that's one of the things that are disappearing. Um, I don't mind saying I, I live in uh, the district, uh, Missouri number two district, which is um, Ann Wagner as a representative. And I'm constantly hounding her saying, when are you going to do your next town hall? When are you going to do your next? I, I even offered, you know, uh, through my Twitter page, on, on directly onto her Twitter feed, I said, I'll set it up for you. Just get out here and meet with the people. But um, they don't. They become entrenched and now they become um, isolated. And then after a while, they forget who they're advocating for. And they don't mm-hmm. give that microphone to the other people to... You know, in a, in a classic town hall, you literally do give the microphone to people and let them say their piece, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. that's the way politics should be conducted. But it's, uh, at least in my narrow vision, that's becoming increasingly rare occasion these days. They don't want to talk to the people. And that's um, that's an important element that's missing. And I, I really like your attitude there. Like, yeah, maybe I can't advocate for certain people because I'm not of that particular um, community or whatever, give them the mic. Well, I can stand with them. I can stand with them every day. I can stand, I can stand next to them. I can stand behind them and, and I can use all the white privilege I have to, to help them in any way possible. Yeah. Good point. (laughs) But I cannot speak for them, stand in front of them, do, you know, in AK, if I'm in white spaces or in, you know, I, or if, if say you're a heterosexual person in, in a heterosexual space, sure you can speak what you've what you've been taught, what you've learned. Um, but you know because you're the only person in that space, right? Mm-hmm. You, you don't have a queer person, or you know, or if you're a white person in a white space, you don't have a black person to speak for themselves. You can, you know, speak up. Please do speak up against uh, you know, homophobia, transphobia, racism. You know. Right speak up against that stuff if you're the only person in the room that can but when there is a person that can speak for themselves let them speak but 
but stand with them. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I think there's a fine line because I think a, there there's like this whole, like, I know, I don't know, like a white savior complex thing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that whole idea is, is true across the board with, with allies that, that are just don't understand, you know, uh, but never, never speak in front of someone who can speak for themselves. Always let them speak for themselves. But if they're not there, speak up and, and always speak against what's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when they are speaking for themselves, listen, you know, cause there's going to yes. be, there's going to be times in your life when you're not going to be able to have them speak. Right. Uh, the floor of the Senate, for example, you know, now you have to take in all that input that you've had from all your constituents and then exactly. speak on their behalf. Yeah, because um, you know, physically they just exactly. can't be there. So good point. Uh, you have any uh, any final thoughts before we uh, call it a day here? And like, we got to get uh, I got to get out uh, today and blow up some firecrackers, I guess, or something. It's the 4th of July and it's um, kind of a kind of a happy day here. Good good weather here in St. Louis anyways. And uh, um, anyways, do you have any final thoughts? Um, I thought it was, um, a great conversation. Uh, thank you for inviting me to talk today. Oh, I appreciate it. I, I've uh, uh, enjoyed our conversation before and I enjoy this one too. I, I could talk to you for another two hours actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I could, I could talk about, uh, what's going on within our community and everything for, for a long time, probably and the history and the future. And, you know, I could probably talk for a long time about this, but, um, Closing thoughts. Um, let's let's keep fighting, y'all, because right now uh, they have a lot of they have a lot of states that are really attacking our community. They're not just attacking our community; they're attacking the black community. They're attacking, uh, you know, and and oh oh oh, one thing I wanted to mention before sure. I leave this thing about. Uh, sports and and uh, trans girls and sports. Mm -hmm. I want people to consider, you know, cis women and cis girls will be harmed if there is draconian uh, type of re uh, restrictions put on girl sports. Mm -hmm. If a girl does a, a cis girl does not look feminine enough, she might be uh, subjected to uh, searches of her personal body to make sure that she appears female. Mm -hmm. You know, there may be all kinds of, uh, things done to cis women, uh, that's harmful to them. If these, if these, uh, sports things actually happen, now there are, there are lawsuits happening. I, I know that the ACLU has sued Florida and I believe three or four more states are coming up going to be sued too because of their their laws that they've passed on the the girls sports yeah. and tra anti-trans laws but people need to realize that this isn't only going to affect our community this is going to affect cis women as well yeah and it's going to affect them negatively this is not helping them this is hurting them but anyway, I digress. Like I said, I could talk about this forever. Well, that, that's a really good point, and I, I think you know I've I've heard a lot of the uh, uh, um, points on on both sides of the issue here, and um, but I never considered the point you just brought up here. That's that's a that's a very valid point. I uh, uh, I have one more thing to consider in uh, in this whole in this whole uh, controversy. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah. it's been great talking to you, um, and I hope that everyone has a wonderful day and a wonderful, uh, you know, July 4th, Independence Day. Independence um, Day, yes. One thing I do want to say about Independence Day, it was not the Independence Day for everyone. Native Americans weren't citizens until 1924, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, so this Independence Day originally was mostly for for European descendants and everything, but yeah. I do love my country and, and I love what, what, um, it can be. I love the, what, what we can turn this country into, you know? So yeah, well, the story, uh, I the... do, I do, I do like to celebrate independence day, but, but I do want to make a point to recognize that it was not for everyone. Yeah. 
Well, the story of America is an evolving story, right? And, and, and um, you know, I had that quote from the Declaration of Independence, we, tru- we hold this truth to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That phrase right there, all men are created equal, that was really a promise. Um, you know, it, it wasn't delivered, uh, at least not right away. But over time, uh, I, I can see that with conscious effort on citizens and people, you and I and everybody else listening to this podcast, it has to be a conscious step into the future where we can fulfill the promise that was that was made, uh, what, 250 years ago now, but it, it was it was continuous struggle. And it's not a pretty struggle. And it was a struggle that was very exclusionary at first. But it, it uh, that's why I talked about the long game earlier. It's something that doesn't come right away. It's something that only comes after uh, a struggle. And um, you're part of that at this point. And it makes me very, very excited to have you on the podcast here. Very, very excited, Ethan Michelle, to have you as, as the LGBTQ uh, chair for the Alliance Party. I think it's a great move forward for everybody. So this is good for. And if anybody wants to join the the caucus, please uh, contact us and let us know. We're we're looking for people from for for people from all over the community, all different aspects of the community, and allies as well. And you can get a hold of the uh, website for the Alliance Party is www.theallianceparty.com. And uh, yeah, there's plenty of opportunities to contact people there, including uh, you, Ethan Michelle. I believe you have your email uh, underneath the uh, the leadership portion of that website. So people can mm-hmm. contact it's you directly. Michelle.gans at theallianceparty.com. There we go. Michelle.gans at theallianceparty.com. The Alliance Party, all one word. We've been talking with Ethan Michelle Gans, the Alliance Party's LGBTQ caucus chair. Uh, Ethan Michelle, thank you again very much for spending time with us on this podcast, and I hope you will have a wonderful Independence Day. You too. Thanks. And thank you for tuning in to the Alliance Party After Dark podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. Each week we'll bring you interesting topics from the Alliance Party. You may subscribe on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or just about anywhere where you can see podcasts being published. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to get involved in the Alliance Party, see, please see our website, as I mentioned earlier, www.theallianceparty.com. As we expand the party, we do need your involvement. Democracy is not a spectator sport. Donations and volunteers are always welcome. If you'd like to contact us at the Alliance Party After Dark podcast, drop us an email at podcast at theallianceparty.com. Also see our Twitter page at Alliance On Air. All content for this podcast is copyright the Alliance Party. Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Alliance Party. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for this evening's edition of the Alliance Party After Dark. And on behalf of everyone at the Alliance Party, have a wonderful evening, a great week ahead, and we hope you drop in for our next show. Be safe, be aware, please take care of yourself and those around you, and happy birthday to the United States of America.